we forgot our song last week. Okay, can we talk about, like, how did that happen? I don't know. I remembered 13 seconds in, but we were in the middle of, oh, we were in the middle of Babushka. <laughs> Good old Babushka. Should we do it? That old chestnut. <laughs> did you solve it yet? Do we know who it is? All I right. think it's Tyne Daly. <laughs> All right, let's really bring it home. It's yeah, let's we have really to make up it. for it. It's the first one of 2019. We got to do, do it. All right. Ready? Jillian Pensavale. Patrick Hines. Da, da, da. We, t- we went too high. <laughs> you know what? Let's start the year off at a zillion. And let's just... I don't believe in there's nowhere to go but up. Let's just start up and just go up and up and up and up and up. Let's just keep doing that. Uh. It's been too long. I hate it when we go this long I without know, seeing or recording. I don't like it. And we always think we're mad at each other. <laughs> when we go too long, when we like have lives or we're like doing other things. Do we get hammered and call each other names? No, we're just like, we just internally I know. get nervous and then text each other like, are you mad at me? And then we just, then that's what we name call. We're like, no, bitch, I love you. <laughs> what are you talking about? You guys, great news. If you're coming to see us live, there are still tickets available for the February 9th show in New York. Oh, great. Bad news. Oh, no. Sold out in New Orleans and Chicago. Oh, okay. Also, come see us at Podex in Nashville. Oh, my God. Lots of opportunities. So much fun, you guys. But the very next thing we're doing, you guys, the very next live show, two shows, February 9th, we're doing that crazy bonkers Charles Manson thing. Yeah, the Lost Tapes. It's going to be so crazy. I'm telling you, I'm going to say it a million times, if it were not for Charles Manson, this podcast would not exist. (laughs) And that's true. Two shows, you guys. 7 o'clock, 9.30. Uh, 5 o'clock meetup that Jillian and I are hosting beforehand so we can all be best friends and uh-huh. you can all be best friends. Yeah. So don't worry about if you're coming solo. You guys, yeah. it's all going to be a thing. Just come and hang with us. Get those T-I-X. Yeah. You guys, Patreon. It's the first time I'm going to say it in 2019. Who? What? I know. Tell me more about this. What's it called? Her. Her name is Patreon. She's gorgeous. She's a drinker. She sounds amazing. She's really, really fun. I want to hang out with her. How do I hang out with Patreon? (laughs) You guys, binge all of season one of The Serial, The Staircase, The Jinx. We're on episode four of Making a Murderer. I love how it's now The Serial. It's my favorite thing. You said it last time. I love it. The Serial. I'm here for it. It's all commercial free. It's the funnest, most amazing bonus material on the internet. There, I said it. Yeah, it's true. And the thing is, when you join, I feel like people don't get it. You get all of it. All at so once. So now we're up to like 80-ish or something. Yeah, including all of the extended outtakes, the original bonus episodes. And fun random stories. We're going to record another one about my new couch. <laughs> and lastly, you guys, the merch store. Oh my God, merch. Uh, check it out. And we love you. We love you so much. Thanks for hanging. You know a documentary is just going to be a barrel of laughs when it starts with just ominous bells tolling? I I literally wrote, it's the For Whom the Bell Tolls bells. Yes, it's actually For Whom the Bell Tolls. Bring out your dead. Bong. Bong. Um, Girl, what are we watching? What are we talking about today? Jonestown, life and death of the People's Temple. You guys, this is disturbing shit. Yeah, guess what? I'm never going to call this a mass suicide ever again. No, it's a murder. It's a a mass murder. And you guys, I had a lot of trouble with this. Uh, More trigger warnings. Like, (laughs) I wish they gave one. And then every time I I say that, I'm just like, no, bitch. You're watching a true crime documentary. You kind of know what you're getting into. I know. I can't be so precious about it. But at the same time, I'm like... But those last 10 minutes are really hard, you guys. And in the first 10 minutes, an animal kills itself. So, (laughs) God, I can't win. Trigger warning for everything. Nobody joins a cult. Nobody joins something they think is going to hurt them. 
you join a religious organization, you join a political movement, and you join with people that you really like. I think in everything that I tell you about Jim Jones, there's gonna be a paradox. Having this vision to change the world, but having this whole undercurrent of his function that was underneath that vision. Some people see a great deal of God in my body. They see Christ in me, a hope of glory. He said, if you see me as your friend, I'll be your friend. As you see me as your father, I'll be your father. He said, if you see me as your God, I'll be your God. Jim Jones talked about going to the promised land. And then pretty soon we were seeing film footage of Jonestown. Rice, black-eyed peas, Kool-Aid. We all wanted to go. I wanted to go. People's Temple truly had the potential to be something big and powerful and great. And yet, for whatever reason, Jim took the other road. On the night of the 17th, it was still a vibrant community. I would never have imagined that 24 hours later they would all be dead. Die with a degree of dignity. Don't lay down with tears and agony. There's nothing to death, it's just stepping over into another plane. Don't, don't be this way. We kind of we start at the end a little bit because the odd screen text tells us that on November 18, 1978, in Jonestown, Guyana, 909 members of the People's Temple died in what has been called the largest mass suicide in modern history. Again, not a suicide. Not a goddamn suicide. These people were murdered. Also, if you guys are interested in my grammar issues, which I know you are, um, I gave a goog why it's the People's Temple without an apostrophe. Oh, yeah. And it used to be because there's a there's a sign like early, from early in the 70s where it's the People's Apostrophe Temple. And then they changed it because it's for all peoples. You know, so I gotta it's people's say, plural. They, like, it has a good mission. I will say that. They like, always do. <laughs> it always starts with trying to save the world and like, let's all be great. And yep. then it just devolves. Like, so I like, what's the timeline? Cult leaders, if you're out there, please call in. We're taking boop, boop, line seven. <laughs> But I like it's always like they have a lot of patience, these cult leaders. I know. Because it starts so great from like the 50s. Yeah. And by 1978, it all goes to shit. Because it's the same pattern every time. It's, every, it's the, the same thing. The person, like, it starts out normal. They get you to come. They start to take your money. They go crazy. Uh-huh. They isolate you, whether they move you to the plains of Wyoming uh-huh. or like the fields in Guyana. Right. They get you away from civilization. And then you build your own civilization from the ground up yeah. by yourselves. You're all sexy as hell. Yeah. And it's a nightmare. This is one of those movies, too, where they, like, the first five minutes are, like, basically everything from the last five minutes. It's like a preview of what you're going to see. 100%. So we see Jim We see Jim Jones in Guyana. He's, like, opening the coolers to see the food. Rice, black-eyed peas, Kool-Aid. 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 Ice cream! I know, the shade. Oh. I love that. And then the other thing, too, is that, like, we see this Jackie Spear, who was down there with them. Yeah. She says... On the night of the 17th, it was still a vibrant community. I would never have imagined that 24 hours later they would all be dead. I never would have imagined that 24 hours later they'd all be dead. Yeah, and then it's like, and now we start. It's so terrifying. Don't start a cult and kill 909 people. You piece of shit. You guys, do you feel it? It's happening. I know. We need that glove. We need that glove for you. So now we start to meet a bunch of like 
escapees, people who like made it out. Uh-huh. The first one we meet is this guy, Stanley Clayton, and mm. he is a character. I love Stanley. Me too. He's like, I was one of those guys who was an alcoholic and a drug addict. Okay, yeah. girl. Yeah. And then he's like, well, all of these people were clean. And then he laughs hysterically. He's like, I'm talking in the 70s, you guys. Like, these people were just drinking water and green tea, and it was weird. But they were all so nice. And, and all these these people that, that were, like, my age, they were clean. <laughs> and then it's so funny. You see, like, the inside of, like, one of their early yeah, services. whatever. And this girl stands up, and she's like, Before I came here, I was taking LSD, marijuana, every type of dope you can imagine. Wow. Girl. That sounds fun. <laughs> no, it doesn't, you guys. Uh, stay in school. Um <laughs> Again, you hear all of this, and there's video. So we see this woman yeah. from 1970 being like, I was high for the last <laughs> decade, and now I'm free. Like, oh now's, God. now's as good a time as any to talk about how creepy it is to see the aerial shots of all the dead bodies. Yeah. You guys, it's just like they're all, all of them are face down. It's horrible. And it's there's horrible. just like bodies as far as the eye can see. This is really going to stick with me for a long time. Like, I agree. Th- this is really hard. Yeah. I also thought you were going to say how creepy it is to have a children's choir. Oh my God. <laughs> Not a mother. <laughs> There's something about children singing this together. Children... Well, that's really creepy. I'm sorry. Is uh, my monster? No, you're not a monster. And also, the recording is so bad that it just sounds like. <laughs> Do kids not sound like that all the time? <laughs> that's kind of how they sound to me. Sorry, all of your children are lovely. So we hear all of this stuff about the services, right? That Jim Jones' services had power. And that people were attracted to the People's Temple because it was, like, doing the things that, like, the government wasn't doing. It was taking care of the poor. It was taking care of the elderly. And the thing is, not only were they, like, parties, but Jim Jones, to his credit, which I'm garbaging myself for, to even <laughs> say something positive about this guy. But at first, he was all about desegregation. Right. And the church was interracial. And he actually had, we meet one of his sons, his yes. adopted sons. Jim Jim Jones Jr. Yeah. That's he was, a lot of J's. Yeah. <laughs> Triple J. They call him, that's what they call him, Triple J. Triple J rules. Yeah. Wait, one. while we're talking about him, I have to say that he had two other adopted kids that were Asians. And then he has a son that was a natural son between he and his wife. They call him Homemade. homemade. And I was thinking, please tell me that's his nickname. I know. Like, homemade, go long. Yeah, according to Triple J. <laughs> Triple J just calls him homemade. Hey, homemade, homemade. Pass me the peanut butter. Yeah, but the point was that, like, Jim Jones Jr., Triple J, was the first black kid to be adopted into a white family. It was a big yes, deal it was a really in big Indiana, deal. wherever yeah. they were. Jim was uh, breaking new ground in race relations at a time when the ground was still pretty uh, hard against that. Jim Jones was uh, hated and despised by some people, particularly in the white community. You know, he tells this story again because everything, he's just like, Jim Jones loves himself some Jim Jones because he would record everything. And he's like, this one time I brought an African-American person to my house. And he's Patty Peterson all of a sudden. (laughs) And my my father, and you'll know why, because there's one word and that's what's stuck in my head. He's like, my father wouldn't let him in. And I said, I shan't come in either. (laughs) All right, Jim Jones. Calm down. We get it. So at this point, you know, we see like the people's temple is like a really big deal. Then we get the backstory, right? We get this whole story about Jim Jones. Yeah, he's from Indiana. He was super poor. His dad was a deadbeat dad and an alcoholic. His mom had to work and raise the family. And now one of like our surviving cult members is just like, 
um, he was from a dysfunctional family. We right. have like nice words for it now, but like they were trash. Like, right. We also learned that he was like the weird kid that liked to like go into the barn and perform funerals for small animals that he killed. Sometimes having just killed them. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, so yeah, he killed animals, sting, and also people. But it's, it always starts with the animals, doesn't it? God damn it. Uh... And also people. A friend of mine told me that he saw Jimmy kill a cat with a knife. Well, having a funeral for it was a little strange. Killing the animal was very strange. He starts going to church because church is like a refuge for him. And he start, he starts to see the power of the preacher, basically. Yes. That the preacher is the center of attention, which I think is like the, what this is all about. Well, they say that like he started out on the preacher circuit. And I'm like, I immediately went to Gypsy and Mama Rose like <laughs> desperately wanted to break onto the Orpheum circuit and vaudeville. <laughs> I have a Gypsy joke for later. I'm excited. <gasps> you have one too? I have a Gypsy joke. We haven't talked about Gypsy in forever. <laughs> On the Orpheum circuit. Oh, yeah, totally. It's like the preaching circuit. I know. We're definitely in Indiana in the 50s now, girl. <laughs> he saw that the preachers were like father figures to their congregations, and that role represented power over the lives of your congregation. Jim Jones started out on the revival preaching circuit, learning the ropes of being a preacher, and once he started doing that, it became clear that he could get a following. So he was charismatic, whatever. Whatever. We got to cut to my favorite mm. character in this whole documentary. Yeah. You know it's going great when we're only 10 minutes in and I'm already texting you videos of the crazy people in the documentary. Well, also, thanks for keeping up with the gypsy because her name is June. <laughs> is it really? June Cordell. Oh, that's so funny. So this lady, you guys, she is talking straight to the camera. She's just like this like no nonsense. Yeah, she's never had a camera in front of her before ever. And no, Doesn't she... know anything about like mic checks, audio levels. She's just like, are we here? Can we do it? Great. Let's go. Come on. So this lady, I just, she looks at the camera and she's telling this story about how her mother-in-law needed a new monkey. My mother-in-law, Edith Cardell, had a monkey and it hung itself and she wanted to replace the monkey. So she looked in the Indianapolis Star and in that Indianapolis Star was Jim Jones's ad that he had some monkeys to sell. So it was through that that she met Jim Jones and came back saying that he'd invited her to church this next Sunday. Her monkey killed itself. <laughs> Is there a sad bell, the it's, slow one? <laughs> wait a minute. You guys, this monkey's life was so bad that it had the presence of mind to kill itself. And what June doesn't do <laughs> is act like that's fucking crazy. <laughs> She acts like like it has happened before, like like as if it's like you know like two plus two is four and this monkey killed itself so she needed a new monkey so she goes into the newspaper and she finds Jim's she finds Jim Jones and I'm like uh, wait er, turning this car around real quick first of all I'm sorry what a monkey killed itself that's this like arguably one of the saddest things I've ever heard like in what I can't even handle it but then the story gets even weirder no it doesn't no the monkey killing itself is pretty weird yeah it just it just stays on that weird plateau of 100%. crazy weirdness yeah so she sees this guy Jim Jones in the paper who's just got monkeys to spare this guy's got so many monkeys he's trying to get rid of them and the mother-in-law knew like let me just go to the monkey selling section <laughs> of the newspaper it's like it, there's I feel like there's eight 
hours worth of the story that we don't know. And it's like the monkey killed itself. Of course. What? Right. And then it's like, and then she turns to like the animal selling section right. of the newspaper and there Jim Jones was with that stupid fucking grin on his face and those ugly sunglasses. And it's like five, six, seven, eight in a cult. Here we go. It's five seconds of the documentary. It's not meant to be. They kept this story because it's crazy. It's crazy. It's so weird. So again, just a reminder, the Jim Jones early preachings were all about racial equality. Not even integration. It was just about how like we all live together. We're all one family. We're all made of the same stuff. Right. So in 1965, he picks up and moves to California because Indiana, too racist. Right. Which I totally believe. (laughs) Indiana now, fantastic. I just feel like in 1965, it was probably not the best place if you're preaching racial equality. Like California is usually the place to be, especially in 1965 where they were like, totally welcome. Come into our van. So he goes to this place called Ukiah, also known as the Redwood Valley. Yeah, it looks like this great. They basically moved to a ranch where they're like, it's like the promised land they keep saying. When I saw Redwood Valley, I couldn't believe my eyes because it was like a paradise. It was rural. It was green. uh, There were grapevines everywhere. And I fell in love. I said, this has got to be a perfect way to live. They're on this ranch from 1965 to 1974. Yeah, and this was right out of Wild Wild Country. The way that they were like, they bought all these Greyhound buses. What was happening was that they had gone to this isolated place. Right. And this is where it makes the switch from Jim Jones being like, we want to live in a commune to we need to to find new members and become an unofficial cult. Right, because now he was taking those Greyhound buses and going on these trips. The purpose of the bus trips was to spread Jim's beliefs about socialism and the world and how we can live a better life and about an integrated lifestyle. But behind that, I think it was to gather more members for the temple. Of course he was. Of course he was. They're always recruiting new members. And then we find out that he's like, now he's talking old people into like selling their homes and giving the money to him and the church. Right. Also, can we talk real quick about, we meet this guy, Brian Kravitz. Yep. And he's like, so I decided I just wasn't going to go to Vietnam. And I'm like, Brian, sweetheart, that's not really how it works. You dodge the draft, which I totally understand. And I totally get it. But just say that. Don't be like, I RSVP'd no to the Vietnam War. Like, sweetheart, I decided I wasn't going to Vietnam. And the other thing that we're finding out about now, too, is that like these people are like living in paradise, but they're working 20 hours a day. Some of them have jobs outside of the cults and they would like go to their job and turn over their paychecks and then get an allowance? What are they, married to Steve? (laughs) (laughs) This is is my favorite montage, I think, of any documentary we've covered to date because there's this one woman going through her day and I feel like she's still, she's like not traumatized by it. She's like, so we'd wake up at 4 a.m. and we'd go to the barn and we'd do all this. So as she's going, like, goes through these like 30-minute increments of just like a work week. And so as she's going through that seeming chipper other people are we're like cat like two camera with other people talking about like how horrible it was right. and how like sleep was a luxury and i'm like yeah. i know it's funny to say like i love sleeping sleep is not a luxury no like humans need sleep that's like a god-given right like you should have it but as they're talking about this the audio of her list goes a little lower so you just still hear her list yes. my week kind of ran like this i'd work my regular job on mondays you know for eight to five then i'd work on files there were people who ran and rest homes, there were animals to be taken care of, there were the publications, uh, everybody had a job. Wednesday night we'd have a meeting in Redwood Valley and I'd go to the meeting for till probably 10 or 10.30. We turned our paychecks over every time we got paid. 
And then every once in a while, she'd be like, so then it's probably noon by now. So of course we weren't allowed to eat. So we just went to the fields and we picked the plants and we did this. And then another person was like, it was horrible. All we did was work. And then they do that like three or four times. And it ends with this like a kind of adorable woman being like. It changed over the years, but. It was always busy. <laughs> so yeah, it was pretty tiring. Yeah. <laughs> but the thing, one it's of a the guys, week. one of the guys makes the point that like being in an environment where you're constantly up, you're constantly busy, uh, and you're made to feel guilty if you take too many luxuries like sleeping. You tend to not really think for yourself, and I did allow Jones to think for me because I figured that he had the better plan. I gave my my rights up to him as many others did. It's just another way to manipulate people and break somebody down. I'm sure Jim Jones got her eight hours. <laughs> we'll get to what she was doing in her bedroom in a minute. Exactly. So now, okay, you guys, this is crazy. Now we're inside another service and we're seeing him cure people. Okay. This one lady like stands up and he just like cures her of finger pain. He's like, um, are your fingers numb? And she's like, <laughs> funny you should mention it. Edie. Fingers, are your fingers numb in your right hand? Reach the fingers out that are bothering you. And he just like flicks his hand. It's like a half abracadabra. Right. It's all he does. And he's like. Now, is the pain gone? So she's like, they're cured. And the crowd goes wild. Are we going to talk about the lady in the wheelchair? Oh, oh. <laughs> That's kind of why I showed up to work today. <laughs> Take us through it. Okay, so there's this woman in a wheelchair. She's wearing like a house dress. Yeah, yeah, she yeah. yeah. Is, she looks like the most stereotypical cliche, like old lady. Italian right? grandmother, yeah. yeah. She actually looks like my grandmother, Josephine, <laughs> with the glasses. She had those thick bottle glasses. Ridiculous. So he's just like, again, this is all on video. Right. Not just audio, you guys, on video. So she's sitting there and he's like, let me guess, you can't walk. What gave it away? The wheelchair gym? <laughs> yeah, like. So we're going we're gonna to heal those legs of yours. You're going to walk again. And the whole auditorium went totally crazy. And he's like, I'm going to heal you just from the podium, right. which is like 50 yards away. And he does that right. little hand flick or he's whatever. He's like pointing at her really ferociously. Abra, abracadabra, whatever. <laughs> Come forth, my dear. Stand up. Take that step. Bless your heart. Take that step. And she gets up and she's like kind of shaking. <laughs> And then suddenly she's walking. And then she's like two-stepping. She's like dancing. And she starts walking up one of the aisles. And pretty soon she's running. This is the lady that was in a wheelchair one second ago. She's doing laps around the church. Right. And then everyone else is just like, oh, we just started running with her. Because everyone was just like, what? So she's like running. She's got her arms up in the air. She's doing. As though she just got called on the prices, right? 100%. Throughout this whole thing, I'm like, I can't wait. When is it? In 10 minutes or at the end of the documentary where we find out that this was a plant? This is an actor. This whatever. Yeah. Oh, right now? Yeah. Excellent. So this one of the survivors is like, yeah, I totally believe this bitch. Later, I found out that this person that I had seen healed and cried with was really one of the secretaries made up to look crippled and blind. It was one of his secretaries. You guys, my immediate thought was like, you know that it's like Janine from the secretarial pool. She's big in the community theater. I was like, I want to see this bitch's Mama Rose. You know yeah. she, you know, she's got it in there. For me! For me! For me! Yeah, that's her. Like, it's all fake, you guys. You guys, uh, it's uncomfortable, but we got to talk about Tim Carter. 
Okay, you guys, Tim Carter. <laughs> Wait, we have to give a, you guys. If you're listening to this with small children or like people with squeamish ears, or yourself, if you're not ready for what's about to happen, <laughs> I clutched my pearls. I was like, I, well, I never. <laughs> you guys, not since a handy in a car in the '60s have I been so scandalized. Even that was like just said in much delicate. I mean, this person. I mean, like, in an act of masturbation. <laughs> That is not this, you guys. Just are you warned yet? Have you we guys, done it sufficiently? I'm not kidding. Breaking news. What you're about to hear might be the most <laughs> vulgar thing that's been played on True Crime Obsessed ever. Jillian clutched her pearls and Patrick thinks it's hilarious. Tom. It's just gonna be a heck of a commute, Tom. <laughs> We don't know if Santa can even make it through the snow. Children, get ready for a sad day after Christmas. Tom? Children, get ready for a sad Christmas morning. Tom? So you guys have the context, right? We're going to just build it up a little bit. Yeah. So um, Jim Jones, this is all in bold and caps and like just. Mine's like in purple and red. Sure. I ran out of color. I literally ran out of colors. <laughs> no. We just need a color like on that ancient computer you have where it's just rainbow, <laughs> where it just is a rainbow and color. This computer's a year and a half old. Okay. Well, it looks like it's from the 70s, but <laughs> do you, girl? So here's the context of what we just warned you about, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So Jim Jones goes up to this new member and is like, hey, finding everything okay? <laughs> I had been in the temple for just a few months. I was sent backstage in Los Angeles to, to get something for somebody. I don't remember what. And Jones happened to be coming out of his room. And he said, hi, Tim, how are you doing? How's it going? How do you like everything so far? And, oh, I like it a lot. And, you know, it's really cool. I don't remember exactly. And then he just says... And he reached up and kind of patted the back of my neck and he said, I'll fuck you in the ass if you want. Ah! I love that the guy is like, uh, no, no. He's like, you. Oh, no. I'm fine, thanks. <laughs> like, where's the bathroom? Like, I haven't slept in 20 hours. This is a fever dream. Like, what's going on? And I just kind of stammered, uh, no, you know, I... No, and he said, well, you know, if, if you ever want that, that's that's okay, you know, just let me know and we'll do that. The funny thing is, I kept trying to find Jim Jones attractive after this, and I was like, oh, would that have been hot to me? No, Jim Jones is disgusting. Hero Bell girl, you did it! <laughs> it only took Jim Jones. Oh, I'm so proud. Meanwhile, I am super into Lee Harvey Oswald. Have you seen everybody in the group? It's like, does Patrick think he's hot? Because I kind of <sighs> see it. So Jim now is suddenly out of nowhere. Now that he has like a thousand people and they're in California in the woods and it's like anything goes in California in the late 60s. He's like, here's the thing. Everyone on the planet is gay except for me. I'm the only straight person. Jim said that all of us were homosexuals. Everyone except he was the only heterosexual on the planet and that... um, the women were all lesbians and the guys were all gay. And so anyone that showed any interest in sex was just compensating. Okay. <laughs> and that all sexual relationships are selfish. And that's when you know you're full of shit. Yeah, like, yeah, 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 you're yeah. Se- Everyone has to be celibate. And then everyone's like, um, so here's the tea. Jim was not <laughs> celibate at all. It's like, of course he wasn't. Of course like, not. Jim was not celibate. Nobody knew that until perhaps it was their time to find out. What he spoke from the pulpit wasn't what he he did behind the scenes. Cut to the inside of a meeting at the church, you guys. Oh, it's my like God. They're in a service. So our friend who we loved in the beginning, we yeah. were like, he's a character. Yeah. This is why. 
So he says, like, two, he's like the talking head in this. Yeah, he survived. Yeah. He goes, well, someone stood up and said, if you want father <laughs> to screw you in the butt, you need to have an enema first. <laughs> You guys, and you know the filmmakers were like, "Girl, I'm sorry, what?" Because this guy is like, "Girl, I'm serious," and starts <laughs> laughing. He's like, "I'm telling you, I saw it myself." I'm telling you the truth, man. <laughs> I'm telling you the truth. He's like, basically, show of hands, how many people have let this happen? Everyone's like, me, <laughs> me, 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 me. Hands are going up. And it, whether they were lying or just following suit hands of the men just went up around the room. And so this guy's like, um, ooh, okay, well, I am here for the racial equality. Totally. Uh, He's trying not to say anything homophobic because he literally is like, girl, you do you. He's not homophobic at all. But he's like, it just isn't for me, though. And I'm thinking, hmm. But I played it off like, okay, I'm being cool. Okay, if that's where they at, that's not where I'm at. Because I'm thinking, I'm, my wife, I'm happy with my wife. You know, for what I'm saying with, with this sleep I'm not getting, I'm not getting enough anyway. I don't want it from Jim Jones. I'm not even getting it from the woman I love. It's so we can't crazy. sleep. I know. Oh, my God. So now we get some foreshadowing for a quick minute. Jim is preaching, screaming, about how no one should ever decide when someone else should die. Yeah. Scientists say we have to have euthanasia. Oh, no. Oh, no. Who's going to decide who and when a person's going to die. We must never allow that because this is the kind of thing that ushers in the terror of a Hitler's Germany. We must not allow these kind of things to enter our consciousness. Just remember that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll get back to it. Let that echo in your nightmares. Yeah. Then on New Year's Eve, he, there's like 120 people at some party. Right. And he passes out punch uh, to everyone and then again just throw some vodka in it maybe some club soda for a little bit of some bubbles it's delicious try it you guys we're taking back kool-aid we're taking kool-aid back <laughs> hashtag take back ecto cooler uh, so new year's eve 120 people are hanging out he passes out this punch to everyone and then after they drink it he's like oh, surprise happy new year it's poison you're all gonna die and then he said you just drank poison and we'll all die right here in the church together as one. And everyone's like, ah! <laughs> everyone's like Patrick. Everyone's like, hair on fire. <laughs> Everyone freaks out, and he's like, not poison. It was a test. And everyone's like, a test of what? You know what? It was a, a test of. Are you fucking kidding me? Jim said that this was a test of loyalty. He just wanted to see if we were truly committed to our cause and that was how we would show it get out of there why would anybody stay in that environment after something like that happens and the thing is the one time you did that to me I left your house right away I know and here's the thing that's so heartbreaking about it like this was the time to leave because after this we take another hard left and then we're just gonna now be in a circle so another hard (laughs) hard right off a cliff because then it gets really hard to leave right all right, so now they decide we can't get enough people to, like, fall for our shit in wherever the hell they are. It's too secluded. Yeah, so like, they move to San Francisco. Yeah, and this is now 1974 through 1977. Guess who else lived there at that time? Harvey Milk! Hey, girl! In San Francisco, Jones walked in on a sort of a wild kind of party where there was a lot of new faces and new sources of power. And there was a sort of feeling that smaller groups, neighborhood groups, activist groups had a bigger chance. Here's the thing about San Francisco. There were protests all the time. Right. And they would promote them in the paper. And even if the, 
the Jonestown people were like, what is this? Oh, who cares? <laughs> if you had a demonstration in San Francisco and you wanted to people to show up, Jim Jones, the People's Temple, could be there in 20 minutes with hundreds of people. And we would be enthusiastic. These people would be on time. They'd be polite and nice. They were a span of ages, a span of races. They were uh, tailor-made for a uh, political rally. To a politician, it was like a birthday cake uh, times 12. So Jim Jones is now rubbing elbows with politicians. He's in, like, people are getting, like, sworn in. Yeah. He's behind them. Yeah, like Walter Mondale. Right. You know what I mean? Like, like major political figures. And that's why these people are like, whoa, whoa, wait. If he's actually, like, moving up in the world and can have some kind of power, we have to start talking. Exactly. So then we get, like, out of nowhere, we have this lady who literally says, we thought of ourselves as one big family who handled our own discipline. Okay. <laughs> So around this time, Jim Jones is just getting hammered. Yeah, totally. Which is fine. But he's also getting paranoid and crazy and just thinking that, like, everyone is out to get him. Right. So for whatever reason, his crazy batshit mind is like, well, now I have to start actually beating members of my own congregation. I was in a lot of the meetings where people were spanked or beaten, and I... I was slapped once also in a in a public meeting. He would, like, force people to fight each other. It just made me think of, like, gladiator competition. hundred percent. Where, like, they would call people up to the front. It wasn't a week that went by that I wasn't called up on the floor because of my behavior, because of my attitude. Stanley Clayton, up front. He would ask people, what do you think we ought to do with them? You think you ought to get a good boxing and then you'd get a resounding roar. Yes. They would beat you senseless until you were unconscious. Yeah. They'd pour water on you to revive you and then make you go fight again. Our friend who was like talking about the like, do you want to screw father in the butt or whatever? <laughs> he was the guy who was like, this is, I can't even believe I'm saying this. But like, I like it was like, it was you or him. Right. The world would never be the same. Like you had like, you were fighting to the death kind of. It's and true. he's like, I poured some water on some guy and then I knocked him out again. He's like, I don't feel great about it. But, but I'm I here to tell the tale. You might fight five people. One night. Well, you know, <laughs> you're very tired. <laughs> and now because of that and because this paranoia, families are turning on each other. Right. Everything is violent. People are trying to leave and then people are trying to like tell on them so they can't leave. And if this you, is... it's very culty. Like if you leave, then you leave your family. If you leave and your husband and your kids stay, you'll never see them again. Exactly. Which is why you should have left at, on New Year's Eve. Right. During the fake poisoning. Also, still get the fuck out of there. Get the fuck out of there. So, like, at the same time, like, he he knows that he's got to isolate these people. Right. Yeah, so Guyana's kind of underway. It's not built yet. Right. But it's the next location. Right, and so, like, people are going there, and they're taking video and sending it back to the congregation, and everyone's like, I want to go. I want right. to be there. Yeah, they can't wait. Pretty soon we were seeing film footage of uh, the first crew that went down there. We all wanted to go. I wanted to go. It looked like like freedom. And so this lines up with this crazy thing where like all of the family members who are leaving the church or people who were never in the church but are trying to get their family out of it are going to the press and being like, no, 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 this guy you think is amazing yeah. is crazy bananas. Right. And so there were these journalists who wanted to write about the cult right. and these people are going to them. So basically they're assembling this story that's basically going to like air the dirty laundry of the People's Temple. Before the article was going to break, Jim convinced the publisher that she needed to read it to him. 
He was on one phone and I was on taping the other end of it while somebody else listened on another one. So he convinces the woman who wrote this article to, like, read it to him over the phone? Which would never happen, though. I had to watch this part four times because I'm like, what am I missing? This makes no sense. I know. Like, how charismatic was this piece of shit? The good thing is that she's like, bitch, I'll read it to you, but yeah. we're not going to not publish we're it. Going at, we're going to press. Like, this is, like, come on. This is right. newsies. The press is going. Here we go. Like, Arise and seize the day. Uh, and as she continues to read this article, he's looking around the room at about five of us. And you could tell that he's becoming more and more anxious and his and you know his mouth becomes drier and drier. And he realizes that this article is going to be hugely damning. And it was midway through it, he mouths to all of us in the room, we're leaving tonight. He just does a, you guys, I can't whistle, <laughs> but he would make that whistle noise and he's yeah. like, We're going to Guyana right now. now this yeah. minute. Yeah. And literally that second they pick up and go yep. and overnight people would wake up and like their wives wouldn't be there yeah. their sister wouldn't be there. they home. come home from work all their seven children are gone yeah to Guyana yeah with this bitch Like, we're there, and everyone's like, it's fun. You know what Guyana is? It's just fun. We're just we're working our asses off. We're being beaten and sexually abused it's, and, and not even sleeping a wink. It's just, I can't say enough good things about it. I've never been so totally happy or fulfilled in my life. I can't begin to describe it. I, you could sit here and talk all day long, and no words could describe the peace, the beauty the sense of accomplishment and responsibility and, and camaraderie that's here. You know, it's just a, such an exciting time. Everything was new and unique and and uh, just fun. You know, we just had fun with it as it grew. It's so terrifying when you think about it. There's no electricity. No. I don't know where the food is coming from. Running water? Who no, knows? They're like, you know what's so great? You know what else is so fun? <laughs> it's just we make the food, we find the food, we eat the food, and we don't sleep. <laughs> and we're abused. Yeah. It's amazing. I know. It, you're just, you're on the ground with these people. It looks horrifying. Everybody's talking about how amazing it is. Right. And so now the thing is, the people at home on the ground in San Francisco or wherever, they are spilling the tea. Yeah. I think that Jim Jones uh, took his group down there because he was afraid to face the publicity and answer the questions uh, here in this country. And I don't think that he feels confident. Uh, having people talk to their relatives. I think the only way he can survive and sustain what he started is to isolate all his followers from this country and from their families. They're excellent at talking to the press and and reporters. And, and, and the government, they're going to the Congress people. Right, because they lived it, and they're like, we got out, but this is bad. The concerned relatives prompted FCC investigation of People's Temple. They organized letter-writing campaigns to public officials, to members of Congress. They were incredibly effective in mobilizing government and media interest in People's Temple. So now, suddenly, remember the foreshadowing where he's like, no one gets to pick when anyone else has to die. Now she's changed her tune. Now it's we choose our death. The paranoia is in full swing. And now he's so hammered all the time on whatever. <laughs> I, we don't even know what it right. is exactly. But he's slurring his words and like everyone does an impression of him. He had gotten to the place that even his voice was becoming slurred. And he said it was because the nurse was giving him the wrong medications. He was slurring his words so much. And I'm like, I'm right here. <laughs> You're pretty coherent. I've only had two glasses. I know. This is when we hear that <sighs> queen from San Francisco. She's telling us that like the, the worst thing you could do was talk about leaving. There was no freedom to express to one another what was going on because everything was suspect. 
the most forbidden thing to express was to leave. Yeah, the real issue with separation, people could not leave him. He took it as a betrayal to the cause and to him personally. Oh, it's yeah. so terrifying. It's like terrifying. You're in the middle of nowhere. Anyway, we find out they're 300 miles into the jungle. And Even if you wanted to leave, how would you get out of there? Should have left on New Year's. I know. I'm sorry. I I'm know. Not, and that's not me being victim blamey. I'm just saying like they gave up everything for this right. person and they believed in him so much. And then when they get to Guyana and they're so far away, then he gets batshit crazy and they're like, bitch, could you have done this in San Francisco? I know. Can you give me a heads up, please? So now we meet Congressman Ryan. Can we get a hero bell for her? So this this congressman, he has this weirdly high number of people in his district are like members of this cult. Right. Family members started contacting him, concerned about their whereabouts and concerned about whether or not they were being held against their will. The word we were getting was that there was an armed encampment. It was enough for the congressman to say, you know what, I want to go find out for myself. So he gets like a video crew and a journalist and they all And his assistant. Yeah, it's like these this hero army who's yeah. like, We're gonna fucking do this. Hero army. Hero army. And I'm just like the whole time you're seeing the plane take I'm off, you're like, like oh, This God. is not gonna end well. Uh, this is not gonna end well. So it's November seventeenth, nineteen seventy eight. You guys remember how this movie started? Yeah. November eighteenth. Yeah. <laughs> and they arrive. It's like, you know, the congressman and the press, whatever. There's like, you know, 10 people, whatever. They throw this rager. Right. <laughs> well, at least there are like musicians in the cult and yeah. this badass singer who's like, it's just yeah, a she party. she's amazing. Yeah, it's a party. It's like the best wedding you've ever been to. And Leo Ryan, the congressman, stands up there and he's kind of like, listen. I think that all of you know that I'm here to find out more about uh, questions that have been raised about your operation here. But I can tell you right now that from... A few conversations I've had with some of the folks here already this evening that uh, whatever the comments are, there are some people here who believe that this is the best thing that ever happened to them in their whole life. You guys, the, it goes insane. Yeah. It's, the audio's distorted because yeah. the people went so crazy. It's basically what the end of our first live show sounded like. Basically, right? <laughs> so then in the middle of this, like, bonanza, this, like, ridiculous party, people are trying to hand the congressman and his hero army notes. Yeah. When one of the reporters was walking around towards the edge of the pavilion, I stuck the note in a fold of his arm and it fell to the ground. And so I picked up the note and I and I gave it back to him. I said, you dropped something. And this little boy about nine years old started saying, he passed a note, he passed a note. This little nine-year-old bitch. This little snitch, this little <laughs> snitch bitch. But so like everybody wants to get out. And this is where the assistant, the one that, that like survives, you uh. see her getting them on tape. Now do I both understand you say that you both want to leave Jonestown on this date, November 18th, 1978? Yeah. So word gets out that people are leaving. Yeah. And then all hell breaks loose. Right. Because there are way more people who want to stay and still believe it than people who want to leave. But there's like 50, 60, 70 people that want to leave. This lady is screaming because her husband is taking the kids. Don't you think about that? <laughs> She's like, you. I was like, Patrick, are you here? <laughs> it was a weird summer I spent in Guyana in the 70s. I'll tell you about it later. Oh, my God. You look great. Thank you so now. much. Ugh. This is all happening 
cheering in one day. You guys, it's crazy. But town. there are people, and I'm like cheering because there are people like with their bags and they're not looking back yeah, and they're just like, fuck, like, no, bitch. I'm going to the Galapagos <laughs> with the turtles who understand me, the tortoises who get me. Totally. You guys, just all hell breaks loose. Right. So people are leaving, and like the, the contingent of people who are leaving are like headed for the airstrip. Yes. They're like, girls, let's go. It's the hero army, yeah. specifically. As they're pulling into the airstrip and they're like disembarking from whatever vehicle they're on, they see a like a dump truck has followed them. Right. So part of the hero army, the sound guy yeah. who was there and a witness to all of it, has like a mini plane and a mini truck to show us visually exactly what's happening because it's just chaotic and it's really hard to explain. They drove this truck all the way across the run the uh, airstrip and stopped on this side of the plane. So literally, they cut us off from the jungle. We never know there's people hidden inside the dump truck. The moment they stop, they stop shooting right away. As they start to get onto the plane, you not only do you hear, but you see, because we have video of it. Yeah. You see the bullets start to fly. And there's nowhere to hide because you can't get to the jungle. Yeah. Because you have to go past the shooters. Everybody ran towards the plane, on this side of the plane. They tried to hide underneath the wheels. Then the congressman ran under the plane, and I sort of followed suit and got behind one of the tires. Our hero army who survived, survived because they played dead. Yeah, and this Jackie Spear, she yeah. she's, is the assistant to the congressman. He's dead. Yeah. And she's been shot, but she's playing dead. I, I was lying on my side with my head down, and um, they came and you know, shot me at point blank, point blank range. She can't say it. And honestly, like, I can't believe that she is here to tell this story. This hero army is unbelievable. And we don't see them again in this documentary. But so she survives. The cameraman's like a couple like a, a couple of them survive. Yeah. And Leo Ryan does not. Yeah. So um, now we're back at Jonestown. Okay. And the 908 people who didn't leave are now being told it's time to go to the pavilion, which is like the, the big hall. Right. So Jim Jones, you guys, this is really tough. This is awful. Yeah. Turn it off now. Turn it off now. Yeah. So Jim Jones is is doing is playing the victim throughout the rest of this audio. He's basically saying like if we can't live in peace, let's die in peace. And so he does this bullshit thing where he's like does so he's basically saying we're going to kill ourselves. Like now's the time. Now we're really going to do it. Right. Are there any dissenting opinions? He's like pitching a mass suicide and then right. having people like show of hands who doesn't like this. And this woman is like um yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, me, I'm not into this at all. And now she keeps calling him out on all of his like contingency plans. And she's like, well, you mentioned Russia. And like, she's saying, look at all these babies. Like these babies yeah. do not deserve to die. And he is not hearing it because he wasn't ever going to listen anyway. No. And then it's like, oh, my God, suddenly there are guns. It's when I noticed that there were armed guards that kind of taking positions up around the pavilion. I'm thinking, where did all these fucking guns come from? And, and like, we're going to go through this quickly because it's too awful it's to linger horrible. on. But basically, they're, like, force feed It's Kool-Aid, like, laced with cyanide. Uh-huh. And and the, or like, arsenic, whatever it is. And they're basically force-feeding it to the children. To toddlers. To and, the babies. Yeah. And Jim, the entire time, as people are screaming and crying and kids are crying, it's the most traumatic thing I think maybe I've ever heard. Yeah. He's like, please don't do this. Right. Come on, you guys. Let's do it together. Let's die with dignity. Like, he's like, don't it's be. It's just stepping into another plane. Yes. Don't be this way. Don't, don't be, be this, this way, way, this bitch says. As you can hear people and children screaming and crying, I can't. It is awful. And then he's like, hurry, quickly, quickly, quickly. At one point, she's like, quickly, quickly. And I I'm know. like, what? what is the rush? <laughs> like, why are 
are you doing right. this? Yeah. It's so horrible. And then it's like it's just it wasn't suicide. It was just a mass murder. Yeah. It was, so we get this one guy. This like this guy is telling us like I'll never call it a suicide again. It no. was a murder. Yeah. And like it kind of just ends. It's like we it just we, ends with everyone talking about how horrible it was. And so here's the thing. So I'm sure you're wondering, listeners, dear listener, like like I did, like how do we have these people talking to camera? Right. So here's what happened. 909 people in the compound commune cult died. Yes. Six of them, like a handful of them, ran, like escaped into the jungle. Yeah. Three of which are our friends in the documentary. Right. And then like 80 people weren't there. They, they were, were just, on like, like a trip that day. And like most of his kids were Three on that trip. Three of his children. That's why. That's why his Triple one J adopted is, son is with us. Yeah, exactly. And he dies of a, a gunshot wound. And so apparently the like medical examiner says it was self inflicted. Yeah. But it's like, bitch, you can't even do what you were telling everyone to do. I know. You have to fucking kill yourself. Drink some Kool Aid. Right. Piece of shit. <laughs> I hate him. Can we never talk about him ever again? Yeah, we're done. We're never doing Jonathan ever again, you guys. Ah. Uh. <laughs> We did it. We did, we? did it. Yeah, did we, yeah. We. Oh God, that was awful. We both laughed really hard. Though. I know. <laughs> there were both. You almost threw up, which just, is a first. <laughs> That's true. Ooh. I almost threw up. You guys. That one was heavy. Next up, we're gonna do hot coffee. Do you guys remember this this hot coffee documentary? Yeah. I, have you seen it? I've yes, seen it. I love it. Yeah. So hot coffee is that thing where this woman, this older woman, sued McDonald's because the coffee was too hot, and then it became this like pop joke. culture joke. It is not what you think it is. And it's also another trigger warning. If you watch it, the images are super graphic and horrible, <laughs> and it takes it becomes not funny right away yes. when you see the the injuries that she had. We'll find the laughs. We'll find it. But I just I'm glad that no one died in this yeah. one. <sighs> You guys, don't forget to come see us live in New York, February 9th, two shows. Yeah, and now we also accept vodka Kool-Aid. Yeah. <laughs> vodka Fruit Punch. Come join us. We're doing a meetup at five where you can all be meet and become best friends and we'll become best friends. Yeah, so you guys come solo. Don't get, don't be scared. Yeah. We're, we're all going to be friends. Get don't worry the text, about it. And then we're going to get hammered with you after the second show. And you guys, it's not, it's not the 7-5 anymore. It's not New York City in the 70s. It's super totally. cool to be here. And also, come to our Pride show in June, you guys. It's going to be gay, drag queens, dressed like Kathleen Zellner. Uh, it's going to be amazing. Oh my God, my dream. <laughs> Lastly, you guys, don't forget Patreon. If you want more of me and Jillian, if you want to <laughs> binge The Staircase. Cereal, The Jinx. All the good stuff. Making murder which we are about to record. Yes. That's so fun. That's so fun. Come find us at <laughs> patreon.com slash truecrimeobsessed. Yep. And then go to truecrimeobsessed.com for promo codes, merch, our calendar, episodes, anything you could possibly want. Links to all the social meds. Yeah, we're there. Sorry, I just said social meds, everybody, <laughs> but, you know. You guys, this week our palate cleanser is going to be Gotta Get a Gimmick from Gypsy. Yeah. My pal, Laura Benanti, has, I think, one line in that. If you gotta bump it, bump, bump it, it with a trumpet. <laughs> yes. I'm so here for Gypsy. We love you guys. And Laura Benanti, where's, where can you see Laura Benanti, like, this minute, even if you're not in the Living her dream area. of playing uh, Eliza Doolittle and My Fair Lady on the Broadway. And also Melania Trump on, on uh, Colbert. Yeah. yeah, I always wanted to just say the Colbert Report, but it's not that. It's late night Stephen Colbert. You guys, we love you. We'll see you next week. We love you. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. An 81-year-old woman has been awarded $2.9 million after she sued McDonald's. It wasn't like the McDonald's employee took the coffee, threw it on her. Who brings these frivolous lawsuits? All kinds of people. People that are jackpot justice-oriented. The media in corporate America did a masterful job. Mrs. Liebeck became a joke. Businesses use a number of devices to keep the public out of the courts. In my line of work, you got to keep repeating things over and over and over again for the truth to sink in.
kind of catapult the propaganda. I was burned so severely that uh, they didn't think I would live. Are you going to show me the burns? What? <laughs> yes, if I saw injuries like that, I would definitely uh, take a different view of it. She was drugged. She was raped, gang raped. She had to have reconstructive surgery, sir. Ms. Jones has had her day in court. Four years to fight to get in court is not a day in court. The Appeal was a book I published. It's completely fiction, and it's completely true. It's a story of the purchasing of a Supreme Court seat in Mississippi. It's a good payoff. You put money in a judicial race, it can have literally a million dollar impact on your company. The U.S. Chamber mounted a very, very large and expensive campaign against me. When you're pregnant with twins, it's really important to determine how many placentas. When I went in, it should have been immediately followed up with an ultrasound. You, you, you just want to change what happened, knowing that it was preventable. To go to court and to sue, you have to go through a lot of trouble to do it. It affects your life. You're going to be attacked in all kinds of ways. Going to court to gain justice is heroic. You see Jim Jones in Guyana, Guyana. How are we saying it? I think it's Guyana. I can't get another email about mispronouncing things. <laughs> Manitowoc. And we'd go to the barn and we'd do all this. So as she's going like uh, through like it's 30. It's so weird to hear you say a word like barn. I know. We barely know what that is. <laughs> they have those in California, right? Um, also, like fingers tingling. I know. It's called carpal tunnel. We all have it, you guys. My hand fell asleep yesterday because I slept on it weird and I'm fine. And no one cured me but myself. And, don't, and she is like actually Mama Rose backstage. <laughs> Louise, you get. I'm not. Sh- I'm not sharing my dressing room. Tell Baby June to get the fuck out of here. She's not even in Act Two hardly. Be professional. Be professional. <laughs> Children, get ready for a sad Christmas morning. Tom. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> okay. Okay. So we've warned you. And <laughs> I might actually throw up. <laughs> I'm laughing so hard I almost threw up. His wife. Oh, wait. Beard. Oh, Hell of God. a beard for such a clean-shaven guy. <laughs> this is basically what I was like when our, my party was over and people were leaving, and I was like, no, no. you're my people. Oh, God. <laughs> you can pull all the stops out till they call the cops out. Grind your behind to your band. But you gotta get a gimmick if you wanna get a hand. Till you're dead. Kid, you gotta get a gimmick if you wanna get ahead. You can, uh, you can, uh, you can, uh, uh, uh. That's how burlesque was born. So I, uh, and I, uh, and I, uh, uh, uh. But I do it.
Than all the mother ladies they call. 